Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're taking up one of the heroes of faith from the book of the Old Testament, Joshua. In the New Testament, Caleb is the one we're talking about, is described in the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. What is it about him that makes him stand out so much? He finished better than he started. The whole point of this is be how are you finishing your race, not how you start it. Many start the race, but how many actually finish at the end? We're gonna go to the Word of God and study about Caleb, a man who finished well. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's great to be here with you today. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite men in the Word of God. You know, I say that all the time. This is one of my favorite passages. Whatever I'm studying is my favorite passage. Whatever hero I'm studying is one of my favorites. So, you know, I guess my favorite of all would be Jesus himself and under him, Paul. But, you know, we're going to talk about Caleb today. And I call it this guy, a man who finished well. You know, it's not so much how you start in the Christian life, it's how you finish. People often look at the, you know, Boston Marathon, they look, oh, look at all those thousands that are, and they're all rejoicing, you know, they're all shouting about it and and talking about how great it is and suddenly the gun goes off, they all go right through, it takes forever for all those thousand to finally cross the starting line. What my thing is, how many is going to cross the finish line? And the point of it is many along the way just give up, go over, get in a car, drive off with somebody in the car, and they just give up during the race. So it is in the Christian life. When I went to Bible school, we had 30 students in there. And I mean, every one of them at graduation were so excited to get out into the ministry. Somebody had churches they were going to go and become associate pastors. One even had a church that wanted him to pastor immediately because they didn't have a pastor. And others were going to the mission field to different countries around the world to go to work for missions organizations. Some of them that were evangelists actually had uh, meetings open up for them. During the nine months we were at school and I didn't have anything like that. So I just went back to my church again. I'd always always been there where my wife and I were, and I just kept on teaching my Sunday school class. And of course, God blessed me later. But the point of it was, is we rejoice on how many attended the Bible school, but how many actually got into the ministry. And 10 years later, I was already in the ministry teaching at Rainbow Bible Training Center and all this. And you know, the, the point of it was they had their 10 year anniversary. We all came back. And guess how many came back who, uh, you know, graduated with us? 10, 10 out of the 30 that graduated there. And then we found out the other 20 had already given up, had gone back into secular jobs, things like that. It's not how well you start, it's how well you finish. And this is brought out throughout the word of God. And Caleb was one of those. What I'm offering on here is my book on Joshua. And Joshua is a great comparison here because what Joshua is, is I guess the best thing I can say about Joshua is the book. It's almost like the Old Testament version of the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians is not talking about the new birth, although it teaches on it, but the main purpose of the book of Ephesians is literally how are you going to finish your life? What are you doing on a day-by-day basis? And the book of Ephesians compared to the book of Joshua is not how to get out of uh, Egypt. No, that already happened. It was how to get out of the wilderness and into the promised land of blessings, crossing that Jordan River. And so that's the book of Ephesians, crossing over into the things that God wants for us. And here we have in this story, Caleb, who was the right-hand man to Joshua. These were part of the two. He and Joshua were the two spies that brought back a good report. Listen, they're the only two that actually started out of Egypt, came through the wilderness and entered into the promised 
land. They were the only two. Even Moses didn't make it. He started out in Egypt, came into the wilderness and didn't go in the promised land. The rest of them that went in, except for Caleb and Joshua, were those that were born in the wilderness and then kept on following the Lord. And by the time it came to the border of the promised land, the first generation had died off and they got to go in with two from that first generation who had not died, Caleb and Joshua. Numbers chapter 13, if you'll turn there with me, while you're finding that again, thank you for all those who are watching, those watching for the first time, those watching for the seventh or eighth time, and those watching for the 70th time. Thank you so much, what a blessing you are. And again, out of all those that are watching, the one I really thank most of all, is those of you who've taken on the burden and the blessing of this broadcast to take it to so many different countries, so many different parts of our own nation to make it available on YouTube, to make it available on different channels here in the United States and those that extend even out into the rest of the world. Thank you for giving to that. You are a great blessing to me. And all I want you to know is I couldn't do it without you. God is my source of power, but you are my source of finances coming in to where this thing can be blessed and prospered and you are getting prospered back for it. If you would like to become a partner with me, why don't you go to uh, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can become a partner with me. And thank you, thank you, thank you ahead of time for being such a blessing. Numbers chapter 13 verses one through three says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send in men to search the land of Canaan, which I have given to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers, you will send a man, everyone a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, those who were heads of the children of Israel, jump to verse six, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, verse eight, of the tribe of Ephraim, Joshua, the son of Nun. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30 says this, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Notice this when it was put on the line and the 10 spies came back with an evil report and the people were all upset. Here, Caleb stood on God's side and on Joshua's side. And so he stood up with that and again with Moses too. Chapter 14 of Numbers, verse six, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them who searched the land, tore their clothes. They stood there and when the people cried out, they tore their clothes in rebellion and, and anti what the people were doing and in favor of God's command through Moses. If it's coming from God, how can we possibly not be blessed? Jump down to verse 30. Doubtless you shall not come into the land of which I swore to make you dwell in it, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. Let's talk about Caleb for just a moment. Caleb, he and Joshua were the only two who came from Egypt, crossed the wilderness and entered Canaan. All others of the first generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Caleb saw the oppression of slavery in Egypt. He also saw the rise of Moses to deliver. He saw the 10 miracles performed by God through Moses in the land of Egypt. He saw the crossing of the Red Sea and the drowning of the Egyptian army. I mean, he witnessed all of that. And you know what? He didn't forget it. The people forgot all of God's benefits and griped every time they came to a situation, but not Caleb and not Joshua. These are two who constantly stood beside Moses, even better than Aaron and her, whenever they had an opportunity to lead the people, 
led them away from what Moses had said and actually created a golden calf for them to worship. I'm simply coming back to this. Caleb and Joshua lasted through the entire time and they finished well. In fact, we're going to talk about how they finished. Caleb and Joshua were the two spies sent into Canaan. They brought back a report of faith in the promises of God. Caleb saw the death of Moses and experienced the transition of leadership to himself and to Joshua. Joshua was the main leader, but I want you to know something. Caleb had no problem submitting himself to Joshua as the leader of the nation, as he did to Moses as the leader of the nation. All he wanted was not his own will. He wanted God's will to be done. And every single time he submitted to it, and guess what? He prospered and he prospered and he prospered. Are you beginning to get a message here? Why do you constantly push for your way? Why in church do you gripe so much? Why when it comes to things of God, do you gripe so much because it's not going your way or not the way you think it should go? Listen, sit back and rejoice and submit yourself to God's will. Submit yourself to leadership. If they are truly trying to follow God, then simply submit yourself to them. If you're right and they're wrong, why don't you just let God show it to them? Caleb and Joshua led that second generation born into the wilderness and then led them into Canaan. Oh, how great it was. Let's talk about the reflections of Caleb at the dividing of the land. By the time they came to the very end of the wilderness and entered into the promised land, some five years of fighting took on. For five years, they conquered the different nations, the different cities that were there, and finally got to come to what God actually wanted at the end of their life. And that was for them to receive their inheritance. Every one of the different tribes received their inheritance. Sadly, the first generation didn't get to see that. Oh, they went to heaven or paradise as it was called back there. They went there, but they didn't see the blessings God had for them in life. It's amazing to me how many Christians talk about, well, God really doesn't want to bless us in life. Our blessings will be in heaven. Will you sound just like the children of Israel? God promised them an earthly possessions and earthly inheritance as well as a heavenly inheritance one day. And I understand earth can never compare to heaven. The prosperity and blessing here can never compare to heaven, but why not take advantage of what God has for you? Such as the financial blessing the children of Israel had, the gold and the silver and the lands that they own, the homes they own. And God was simply telling them, all this has been given to you because you know why? You've been faithful to give back in the wilderness for the building of the tabernacle. You were so faithful to give, so willing to give. And when they got the promised land, they continued to give. And especially the two that continued to give was Caleb and Joshua. Take a look with me at Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 6 through 12. Here it says, Then the children of Israel came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinzonite, said to him, You know the thing the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word again, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers that followed the Lord, my God, and Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land whereon your feet have walked will be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. Look at verse 12. It now says in that verse of scripture, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great or large and walled. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I will be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. He's now saying in this verse of scripture, I'm ready to take my possession and my possession is going to be this mountain over here. I want to take it. 
this is the mountain probably, this is what most scholars say, this is the mountain he stood on and saw the grapes and saw all of this. And while he was there, he simply said to himself, probably, this is the mountain I want. Whenever it came time, for the land to be divided, he was allowed to choose something he wanted. He said, I want that mountain right there. I want to take it and I want to overcome the giants. There's still two more uh, bands of giants I want to overcome. And God allowed him to have it and God blessed him. It comes back to this. Yeah, there's certain things in life God wants you to have, but it also says with long life, he'll satisfy you. There's times in your own life, he'll give you the blessings and desires of your own heart if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're gonna find out again when we come back after the break. After halftime, when we come back, we're gonna find out how that he finished well in his life. Again, so many don't even finish well. They start well in the Christian life, but never finish. Paul mentioned this in his own ministry in the closing of 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he mentioned by this time, he started mentioning, he said that this one has forsaken me. This one, Demas has forsaken me, gone after this present evil age. He said, others have forsaken me. Some aren't even here anymore. Some aren't serving God anymore. And he finally said at the end, he said, you know what, Timothy, you're the only one that stood with me back the time I went through a trial. Would you bring me? my coat and bring me my parchments because I want to finish well. Even while in prison, I want to be found studying God's word, the most important thing in my life as a believer, God's word. And of course, God blessed him in all of that. We find here again that Caleb finished well in his life. Joshua finished well in his life. How are you going to finish in your life? I trust you're going to finish well. We'll continue this right after the break when we come back. The book of Joshua provides many lessons which apply to our lives as believers in the church age. They help us understand the life that we came from as well as the life that we are now living. In 12 lessons, Pastor Bob Yandian completes a thorough verse-by-verse teaching of the book of Joshua and reveals why its lessons are so important to today's Christians. Subjects include God's promise of victory, spying out the land, entering the land, circumcision before battle, the battle of Jericho, the sin in the camp, the victory at Ai, the deceit of the devil, let not the sun go down, victory after victory, and dividing the land. To order your copy of the book of Joshua available on CDs, USB flash drive, or MP3 downloads, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Welcome back. I trust you'll get that flash drive on the book of Joshua. It's going to be a great blessing for you. Joshua, Caleb, they're both found again in the Heroes of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I simply come back to this. We're talking about Caleb and Joshua too, but mainly Caleb, because why? It's easy to begin. It's difficult to finish. And Satan doesn't mind you starting so many times. It's just somewhere along the track. He wants to get you off the track and uh, get you running off, you know, and off the, off the, uh, the racetrack. We're told in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are to keep on running the race that is before us, not to get sidetracked off of it, but get back into the race. And don't stand on the sidelines and all bent over and your hands hanging down, say, oh man, uh, you know, woe is me. He says, no, shake the hands and hang down, stand back up, pick up the feeble knees and get back into that race again. Because what God wants most of all is not the fact that you're on the sidelines and even that you're saved. God wants you to finish your race well here on this earth and pass the baton on to somebody else. Somebody who did not finish well was Elijah. Elijah started well, but didn't finish well, sat in the cave feeling sorry for himself, wouldn't change his mind. And God finally said, okay, you're gonna have somebody else will take you, your place. His name is Elisha. You'll find him plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen and you're gonna pass the baton on to him. And he did, and Elisha came and finished Elijah's ministry. Again, many begin well, but finish poorly or don't finish at all. Solomon began well, but didn't finish well. King Saul started well, but did not finish at all. Lot started well following Abraham, but by the time he saw some prosperity, it all went to his head and he ended up with his family in the city of Sodom and they saw destruction there. They were spared, but again, we don't know exactly what happened to them for the rest of their life, but you know what? They did not finish well. Samson began greatly, but did not finish that well. Demas that Paul talked about has forsaken me, having gone after this present evil world. Beginning is not a problem. Finishing is what God is looking for. Abraham didn't even start until 75 years old to become the father of all believers. At 99, he became a father and began the Jewish race, not only the Jewish physical race, but started a heavenly race at that time of believers from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. Moses began at 80 to be a deliverer of Israel, and he led them through the wilderness until he was 120 years old. Even though he failed at the end, he bounced back and finished well, prophesying over the nation. At 85, Caleb took a mountain and the sons of Anak, these were the giants of the land, the Anakim. The Anakim were the largest of the giants in Canaan. The Anakim were the ones who put fear into the hearts of the 10 spies. And they said, we were like grasshoppers. This is what the spies said. We were like grasshoppers in their sights. Giants were offspring of angels and women. We find this in Genesis chapter six. And this took place before and after the flood. And even though at this time they killed many as they entered in the promised land, the last ones were finally killed off by David himself. So let's talk about the fact that Caleb conquered. What happened in his life? 
Joshua chapter 15, I want to take a look at verses 14 through 17. While you're finding that passage, there was a time I, I went to speak at a church. And when I got there, the pastor, you know, texted me on the phone and said, I can't make it. Some emergency came up. He said, please catch a taxi cab. Here's the address of the hotel and we'll pay you back for the taxi cab fare and all that. I said, okay. So I got my, you know, my luggage, went down there and caught a taxi cab, got in the back seat. And this guy, I told him where I wanted to go and he started driving me there. And on the way, he kept looking in the rear view mirror at me. And I thought, hmm, something's, something's strange here. And he finally said, you're Bob Yandian, aren't you? And I said, yes. He said, you were one of my instructors at Rama. I said, oh, well, great. And he says, and on top of that, he said, I attended the church for a while and I and I was called in the ministry. He says, so what happened? He said, well, I started into a church. He said, I ran into all kinds of problems. He said, I gave up. I just did not want to do that. He says, and here I am driving a taxi cab. And he said, I thought I just want, I went away from the church. I thought I would take any kind of job just to get away from pastoring those people. He said, and I said, how is it today? He said, I am miserable. I have failed God. I feel like a failure and all that. I said, you can get back up. He said, no, no, I don't even think that call is there anymore. He says, I said, no, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. All God's waiting for you is to repent. And anyway, he started crying up there. And when we finally got the hotel, I grabbed his hand and agreed with him in prayer. And he said he was going to get his life right. I have not seen him since. But there's a guy that started well, got off the track, but I trust in his life he finished well. I don't think anybody that finishes well in their life hasn't got off track somewhere. There's none of us that are perfect. Every single day stuck to the track. No, there's times when we let the world get to us, the pressures of life get to us. But thank God for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we get sidetracked off the track and God simply tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, there's a way to get back on the track and that's through forgiveness. Even if God has to discipline us and, and, and correct us through his word and through the pressure of the Holy Spirit to get back on that track, when we finally do, God sees a victory in us and he doesn't look at the time off the track. He looks at the time we got back on the track and God can literally multiply it back to us as the Bible says that God can redeem the time. So here in Joshua chapter 15, take a look at verses 14 through 17. And Caleb drove from there the three sons of Anak, Seshai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber. And the name of Deber before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, he who smites Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the younger brother of Caleb, took it and he gave to him Aksa, his daughter, for a wife. Caleb is tiring out, but wants to finish defeating the sons of Anak. He offers his daughter to be the wife of the one who will stand up and go conquer that nation. And Caleb, we see at the end of his life, was very generous. Joshua chapter 15, verses 18 and 19 says, it came to pass as she came to him, this is his daughter, she pressed him and asked her father for a field. And he got off his donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? She answered, give me a blessing for you have given me the Southland. Give me also the springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. You know what? Caleb had waited for years to get this. Again, this is the mountain he stood on and looked out and saw the grapes and saw the wonderfulness of the land. And he said to himself, I want this piece of property. 
And yet when it came to the end of his life, the thing that he wanted most, he gave to his daughter. Can you see here the generosity of him? He saw, he probably had this vision inside of him the entire time that he was in the uh, promised land fighting all those other nations. I want that piece of property one day. And when it came to the end, God actually allowed through Joshua and said, Caleb, take what you want. He said, I want that mountain right there. And at 85 years old, he took it. Now his daughter is getting married and she comes to him and says, listen, you gave me a blessed piece of property. But you know what? I'd like to have the springs of water also. He said to her, have it, gave it to her. Can you see something here? This was Caleb's heart the entire time. You want to finish well, don't stop loving people. Don't stop loving those that love God. Don't stop being a giver. And this is exactly what Caleb was. This didn't start at that moment. Caleb had been a giver all throughout his life. And Caleb knew the inheritance was for himself and his children, but Caleb thought more of others than himself. And Caleb still provided for his family in his later years. What about Caleb's final inheritance? Look at Joshua chapter 21, the closing of the book, verses 11 and 12. And here it says, they gave them, that's the children of Aaron, the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which cities in Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, with the suburbs of it round about it. But the fields of the city and the villages of it, they gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for his possessions. You know what? Because he gave, they turned around and gave back to him even more. Up until the time that you leave this place, God wants to bless you. And he simply says this, you can look back on your life and think of times you have failed. You know what? But God's not looking at that. God's looking at the time that you were obedient to him. When you stand before God, the word of God tells us in Revelation, Revelation 14, 13, that your works do follow you. And Caleb had some tremendous works that followed him. Oh, he had some mistakes probably, every one of us do, but those things come before the Lord. If we confess our sins in this earth, we will not be held accountable for them in heaven. We're told that in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And so here it says, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged there. But for the things that we look back on that we regret that we did not bring before the Lord and did not ask for forgiveness of, oh yeah, when we get to heaven, they'll be there. But all of our works, good and bad, will be judged by fire. The bad ones burn up because they're called wood, hay, and stubble. But the good ones remain. They're called gold, silver, and precious stones. And for whatever's left over, that's what we're going to get a reward for. And apparently, Caleb has a lot of gold, silver, and precious stones and very little wood, hay, and stubble. I say trust the same is true in your life. In other words, it comes back to this. How you finish is what is so important. What about you? Do you feel as if your calling has come to an end? So many Christians do. Are you already planning more on your death than you're doing for the rest of your life? Do you see each day as if your life is winding down? It's time to conquer something new. What's what God is saying? Yeah, but Bob, I'm 80 years old. I'm 83 years old. I don't want to conquer something new. You know what? Without a vision, you'll perish. Now, the vision doesn't have to be to conquer the world. Go get yourself another church out there somewhere or go start a corporation or something. Start picking something you do. How can you help people? Can you volunteer somewhere? Can you teach a class at your church? You know what? Your wisdom can still be handed down to others even until the time you die. Say, yeah, but I can't stand very long. Well, then sit down and teach. Jesus did. The entire Sermon on the Mount was done sitting down. You can do the same thing. There's times that look how I'm sitting here. There's times I go to churches and I got two services coming up, I'll say, get me something to sit on. Because you know what? The word of God is just as powerful with you sitting down as it is with you standing up. Your posture has nothing to do with it. And on top of that, your age has nothing to do with it. We're told here he conquered the mountain at 85 years old. 
And so Caleb was a man who's now instructing you in your latter years in your life. David said, I once was young, now am I old. He wrote this in his old age, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. That entire Psalm was instruction to young people, especially about getting discouraged and upset in life. And how often do we act great through our life, but at the end of our life become discouraged. Kick yourself, pull yourself up and get a vision in front of you. God instructed the children of Israel to conquer Canaan. I'm not sure God told Caleb to take on the sons of Anak. I believe Caleb decided on his own to live a while longer and defeat new enemies and finish the thing that God told the people to do. He decided to take it on himself. There's gonna always be more enemies to be conquered, but there's always a vision to take them. And until the time that Jesus comes back and conquers all enemies, God has given you some of your own, no matter what your age, that you can conquer. How you finished is really more important and how you started. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.